Today's scripture comes from 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 21. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he called you, he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed for the futile, from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of the lamb without blemish or spot. He has foreknown before the foundation of the earth, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Some weeks we come up here and we, we hope to have something uh, good to say, right? As you would hope as well. This week, it is our endeavor. In this one sermon, I wish we could just make a series out of these verses, but we can't, so we won't. I want to fundamentally change the way you view the Christian life. This is no small task but we're going to try to do it in one sermon. Fundamentally change the way you live your life. We better begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we we come before you and we long, dear God, we long for you to come and reveal yourself to us through your word, through through what You have given to us through the hand of Peter, God, could You transform our lives and how we view our lives here in this world in relation to the new heavens and the new earth. Dear God, be with us. Amen. A couple years ago, our family had the pleasure of driving to Virginia. 20 plus hours, we got all loaded up in the car. We had a wedding to, to attend to and officiate down there. And so we get all loaded up in the car and it's loaded down because you have everything for all of the kids and all of us packed in there. And it's 20 plus hours and I think about seven states or so you're going to drive through to get there. And you hardly even make it to the county line, you know. And you hear it begin. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Any, any, like the car is not even warmed up. You're not. You haven't. You haven't even left the state, let alone the county. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And the other kids start going, "Yeah, we should be there. Why are we there? Why aren't we there?" Children who can't even start talking. Wait, can't even talk. Like the first words happening. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And joining the chorus of rebellion against uh, the two parents in the front seat. And this is, uh, this, this, this thought, are we there yet? Are we there yet? This is how we 
often approach the Christian life and the same thing we're asking of God. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? It, it's our home. It seems so far and it seems so distant away. How does, how could it possibly relate to how we live our lives at this, at this time, at this specific day? And so this is the question we're going to be re- working through. So our main idea that I hope you take home is that we are to live today. This very moment, we are to live today as we will in the new heavens and the new earth. What we will do there, that's what we do here. So, verses 13 through 16, we're going to be looking at our, our hope in this future grace. This grace that will be, that we be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at this future hope. Verses 17 through 19, we're going to be looking at a, a fear that we have before God, who is an impartial judge, and a fear that we have because we are representing God. And then finally, Peter cannot help himself, and thus nor can we, just to delight in Christ. So where are we going? I hope that you can live today, every day, as you will, in the new heavens, in the new earth. So what are we going to do? We're going to look at this future grace. What does that really mean? How does it apply to us? How do we conduct ourselves in fear before an impartial judge? And then we're going to be delighting in Christ. So let's go to the text here. Verses 13 through 16. Let's read those. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully. Fully. Not a little bit. Not, not distracted. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But, as He who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. There in in this, this first line here we see uh, the kind of the posture in which we're supposed to be. Peter's been working it up through for uh, uh, several verses here. You see, he's writing to the, the elect, the strangers who are in exile through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithia. And they're, they're elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Yet they're in the midst of suffering. And he he, then in verses three through ten, three through nine, he he implores them to rejoice, continue rejoicing, not because of your current circumstances, not because of what's going on or what isn't happening. Don't rejoice because you got the promotion. Don't rejoice because you're about to retire. No, rejoice in the unchanging, finished work of Christ. This is what we rejoice in. And then finally, this, this, this work of Christ, Adam was sharing with us last week, of how this is what the prophets longed to see. They, they were writing it down, and they were sure they were, they were writing to their current audience when they were writing, yes, but this full revelation that we have through Christ has been given to us. And so we live with this great responsibility. And then Peter goes on, so how should we live? Well, you see in the first line here, okay, so preparing our minds for action. That's kind of the, 
and, and being sober-minded. So preparing your mind for action is, it's literally, it's girding up the loins of, of your mind. So if you, if you're in that day, you're wearing a tunic and you want to be prepared for action, you tie your tunic around your thighs and you're, you're ready to run. So we're ready for action. It's, it's like a football player on his toes. He's ready and he's ready to attack. But we're also sober-minded as well. We're not just going to haphazardly attack, but no, we're going to be contemplative and we're going to think through things through as well. It's, it's, uh, if you guys remember in Matthew 25, when we're preaching through the last series of parables that Christ is delivering, he has the, the parables of the ten virgins, who is he's saying, in this kingdom, wait, wait, be patient. Wait. And then right after that, he follows it up with a parable about the ten talents, saying, do something, right? So we, we, we had the line, well, don't just do something, stand there. Well, don't just stand there, do something. And this is part of the Christian life, and this is what Peter's also saying. Okay, so we have our minds prepared for action, and yet we're being sober-minded. And then he gets to his main thrust here, grammatically, this is the main verb here. This is the imperative. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is a telling us how we are to live in this moment. How they are to live at that time is with their eyes fully set upon the grace that will be delivered to them at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when we, when we hear these, these Christian words such as, as grace, we, we have these Christian terms. In order to communicate them well, we kind of end up reducing them down to their bare minimum. So when we think of grace, we go, okay, unmerited love from God at Christ's expense. Okay. And then we package it in that way. But we don't go beyond it to, to see what's really going on. So it, it is this unmerited love at Christ's expense, yes, but this grace of God is also transformative as well. You see this in Romans, uh, Romans 6. In verse 14 he says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. So it, it's, it's not just love of God coming down, but it's, it's transformative as well. And this is the grace, this transformative grace, that Paul, that Peter is calling them to, to fixate their eyes upon. This, this future grace, not just, not to diminish the current grace that we have, but this glorious future grace that will come. This is what he is inviting them into. So in our present circumstances, whatever they might be for these, for these Christians, they were being persecuted. Some Jewish, some Gentile. They were trying to figure out how do we live in this world. And he's calling them, as the Spirit is calling you, to live a life not focused on the present, which is what our culture is inviting us, training you, telling you, be focused right now. Do what's immediately gratifying. Peter's telling them, no, no, no. You, you live, you live with your eyes fully fixed on God. As, as the new heavens and the new earth come and invade this present time. 
So go back to our ill-fated trip to Virginia. So imagine we finally make it to uh, Chicago, and the kids are still with their chorus. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? What if we told them, not yet, but enjoy yourself. Everything you do in Virginia, everything we're gonna, all the fun we're gonna have, enjoy it now. Yeah, I understand we're not there yet, but enjoy yourselves as if we were. It, it changes the whole perception, and that's how we often will think of our our, our time and how we relate to eternity and how we relate to this future glory that we will have, we think it's going to be some threshold that we cross over because death. But the beauty is is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and this future glory is coming and invading our present time. And the evidence of that is the Holy Spirit dwelling within you and living within you. This is the life that Peter is calling them, calling them, inviting them, into. So, in this present time, in, in the midst of this darkness, we live out light from this new heavens and new earth coming down. In the midst of our sin, we have holiness. In the midst of brokenness, we have restoration. In the midst of rebellion, we live lives of submission. That's the new heavens and the new earth coming down and invading our present time. So, uh, as an aside, if you want to be, one of our focuses this year for as a church is on evangelism. If you want to be effective in evangelism, live out this new heavens and new earth. Live that out. This will be the pleasing aroma of Christ to God that is lived out before those who are perishing and those who are not, those who will be saved. This is the pleasing aroma. So I, I, I understand. It, gives, it's, it seems abstract. Um, I'd like to simulate philosophy. I, I get that. So thankfully, Peter gives us this perfect example. He says, going on here in, in verse 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Saying you're, you're going to be you're going to be conformed to something. Don't be conformed to your former ignorance. And you see how Peter is picking up on this play between the future and then the former. He's he's expounding on this. So not just your your future glory. Don't be conformed to the ways of your of your former ignorance that we inherited from our forefathers, going all the way back in Adam and Eve down to all their children. No, 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 no. Put, putting all of that aside, we look forward to this this future grace. He says, but, and this is massive contrast, sorry, uh, verse 15, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So let's, let's work through the progression again. We Peter is inviting them to live a life. At this present time, Regardless of what's going on around them, he's calling them to live as if the new heavens and new earth have come and invaded, which is what happened with Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just him. No, he went back to the Father, came, the Spirit came, and filled you guys. That's the proof that the new heavens and new earth has come down. You are the new creation. So, how do we live then? 
But we, we, we live this out of, he's calling us to be holy. So holy will, will oftentimes is described as, is like to cut or to be separate. It's, sorry, but it's, it's not that. It's, it's this concept, you look, take the time, look through, <laughs> look through the text, see, uh, it, it's this consecration and devotion is what it is. He's inviting us to be consecrated and devoted. So God is wholly consecrated and He's devoted. So the angels are in the, in the throne room of God crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy. They're not separated from Him. No. They're, they're, they're glorifying in His consecration and in His devotion to Himself. And so as God is, so He, so He does. As God is, He's holy and so He does. He acts out His holiness. And so when we, as Christians, have our new nature, when, when, when John writes about this, and he says, but we know that when He appears, we will be like Him. For we, we, we'll see Him face to face. So as God is, so He does. So as we are, we have this new nature, so will when we go in this new heavens and new earth and see Him face to face, we will have been entirely transformed. And we will not be God, but we'll replicate Him in a pure and delightful way. This is the glory of the new heavens and the new earth. And this is what is invading our time, inviting you to live out the new heavens and the new earth in the midst of this dark darkness, in the midst of this broken city, our broken families. This is what we're called to live out. And so when we... We just look at the text and we zoom in and say, you shall be holy for I am holy. And then we, we just get the idea, if we don't incorporate this idea of living in this, this future grace, the new heavens and new earth coming down into our time, we just zoom in on, be holy. Okay, well, I'm not going to do what's wrong. I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. And well, then it's not surprising that our, our, our lives are filled with guilt. Because we're constantly telling ourselves, be holy, don't do something. Be holy, be separate. Of course, we're going to fail. And we have lives filled with guilt and stomachs then filled with medication as proof of our, sometimes, of our misplaced worldview and how we approach this life. So this passage is inviting us to completely change the orientation and focus of not just don't do this, don't do this, be holy, stay away from the world, don't, don't be holy, don't become unclean, don't touch anything unclean, those unclean people, stay away from them. No, it's inviting us to orient yourself and be fixated upon God and to delight in Him. So, here's some application. You want an application. I know it sounds abstract. Here's some application for you. What can you do this week? What can you do? Live out heaven here on earth. There you go. Live out heaven. Easy enough, right? Is that what someone said? Yes. Live out heaven here on earth. Remember, so the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what the prophets longed for. They knew that 
They knew the Spirit would come upon people, but it has never come in people. And so we, in our, so we think that it's in our minds we're just moving forward through time, moving forward through time, moving forward through time, and then when we die, that's when we'll be in heaven. But in reality, again, it's the new heavens and the new earth has broke its way down into our present moment. And this changes everything. This absolutely changes everything. So, what can we do? Again, what can we do? Our call before us is to live out a life right now that we will live out in the new heavens and the new earth. So evangelism. Tell other people about the glories of God. That's absolutely what we're going to be doing in heaven. We're going to be bragging on our God about all of His glory. That's what we do now. Community. We're going to be living in community, a perfect community, and the new heavens and the new earth, that gets imported into the Christian life. That's why we do it. So this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all of that is the sign of the new heavens and the new earth invading our lives. That's what we are living out in the Christian life. And so when you have the Spirit within you, that's why you don't need the law. Because the Spirit is calling you, crying out, Abba, Father, and delighting in Him. So when we think of the Christian life in this binary way, either right or left, wrong or right, we come up to a situation where we go, oh, okay, what do I do? Where do I turn? And we, we lose perspective. And because in such, when, when we think of it in that terms, the law is really, really helpful. When we're just deciding between right and wrong. Then that's, the, the law is really helpful. Or if sometimes I would like to think prior to this week and wrestling with this, with Adam through in the office, I'd like to think, oh, I'll, I'll just have an eternal perspective. And, and thinking, oh, when I, when we get to heaven, then it'll be worth it. So I'll just put that on the scales and yes, the eternal glory of God always wins. Okay. So this present suffering, I can endure it because in the future, It'll have payoff. Like it's some trust fund or something like that. So there's suffering. Oh, okay. In the future, it'll pay off. Oh, I, I better. I don't want to act this way, but I better because in the future, it'll pay off. Like it's some wager that you're making. Back and forth, back and forth. But Peter, again, is calling us to not move beyond the present but allow the future to come to us and fixate our eyes upon God and to fully and rapturously delight in Him. So, when people come and sin against you, as you are delighting in God, you go, oh, yeah, that's, that's fine, that's okay. I forgive you. If, you. if you've saved up your whole life and someone's going to sue you and they're threatening to take all that you have, you go, oh sure, that's that's okay. I, I just want I want God. I want to live out because I'm not going to have it. I want I want God. I want to be fixated on God and to delight in Him forever. So when 
Again, so maybe someone gossips against you. You don't turn and then go in damage control mode and try to, you know, get some fire lines to make sure gossip doesn't spread too far. No, you go, sure. oh, did I sin against you? Did I? Please forgive me if I have. No, no, maybe, maybe. Okay, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going, I'm going on. And all of these things just shed away. Are you seeing the difference? I hope you're seeing the difference in this between approaching this like someone's gossiping. I do the right thing. I do the wrong thing. No, it's someone's gossiping. Oh, sure, whatever. And then you keep moving on, walking forward. So you get married. Okay, well, good. Come along. Here's where we're going. Have children. Good. Come along. Come along, kids. This is where we are walking. As the glory of God is come down to earth in Christ and dwelled among us, freely dwelled among us. So they had the glory of God, this kind of glory of God in the Holy of Holies. But you could only come so far, but then Christ comes. And He's the fullness of God, the fullness of the glory of God. And He touches the unclean and they become clean. No longer did did he have to stay away, stay away. No, he's invited to go and to be in the midst of the darkness to touch the dead children, to be touched himself by the woman who's having this hemorrhaging bleeding. This is the glory of God that has come into our present time. In the Spirit of God, is indwelling in you if you are in Christ. So this is the life that he is inviting us into. So back to our little evangelism conversation we're having here. We think that people have rejected Christianity. In reality, they haven't. Oftentimes they've ha- they haven't. What they have done is rejected the call to be holy, be holy. You have the right thing, the wrong thing. You're going to choose the wrong thing. Of course they're going to choose the wrong thing. They're wretched sinners, just like you were, just like I was. They haven't experienced the grace of God. So when this binary, choose the right thing, choose the wrong thing, is presented to them, be holy, be holy, be holy, of course they're going to reject it. Of course they're... So then we become... they they. They view us as the people who homosexuality, oh, we choose it this way. You know, drugs, sex whenever you want, with whomever you want. Oh, but they, they don't like that either. They don't like that. They don't like that. Abortion, oh, they don't like that. Music that actually has lyrical rhyme, oh, heaven forbid. They don't like that either. And so no wonder they're rejecting it. But they, they, they haven't rejected this invitation to live a life that is fully delighted in God. Because we're all trying to go back to Eden. Don't you realize that? We're all trying to go back to Eden through good works, through drugs, sex, whatever it is. We're trying to find some euphoria, some escape out of this reality. To go back to Eden. When they are invited to 
saying, yeah, you, this is why you have drugs, but this invitation to not seek uh, an escape or euphoria through drugs, but to fixate their eyes upon God and to delight in His, go- His glory and to be filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God, that they might live out heaven here on earth, the very thing that you're trying to give through your drug gifts, likely that has not been presented to you. So in your evangelism, be encouraged. They haven't rejected this. They've rejected people in MAGA hats, typically telling them to do the right thing. Take off the MAGA hat. Put it down. And tell them about the glory of God and the Spirit of God that is inviting them calling them to live out heaven here on earth, glory in the midst of this brokenness. Do you see why this is so inviting? He could have told them, bear down, guys. Keep pressing on. Just a little bit further, just a little bit further, just a little bit further, and then you'll have your payoff. No, 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 he doesn't. that's not what Peter does. He could have very well told them to do that. Just endure, endure, endure. No, but he's you see the glory, this future glory. Set your hope on that. Live that out in this present time. So he goes on here, verse 17. We must we must keep going. Verse 17 through 19, he's he's calling them to live a life of fear, but it's not what you might expect here. Verse 17. And if, this conditional clause here, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's, each one's deeds, then, here's the payoff, there's, it's, not, it's implied then, but it's not good. Then, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Again, picking up on the same, of, of moving through this earth, not quite in the promised land, but enjoying the fruits of the promised land. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So again, we have this 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 conditional clause. If you are a Christian, if you... Call on the Father, who's this impartial judge, sees all things, knows all your motivations. Okay, well, you call on Him, how are you doing? Well, conduct yourselves with fear then. Throughout this, this time of exile, and when we see the word fear, we think, oh my, oh my, there must be an angry God to appease. But it, it's not that. He's saying, if you're a Christian, you are proclaiming through your actions, you are proclaiming the God in whom you have placed your hope and trust. That's what you are proclaiming through your actions. So whom have you placed your trust? In yourself? Are, are we? Is that what we're doing as Christians? You, you place the trust in yourself, in your position, whatever comfortable job Mother Mayo can get you, is that the place of your trust and hope? No, no, no. We as Christians are to live carefully, knowing that we are proclaiming the God in whom we hope. So if you're debating retirement, maybe, 
and you're looking at how much money you have, my God, you better repent. You've identified a major idol in your life. Rather than going, God, I'm as poor as I can be. I can't wait to get rid of this job so I might have more time to pour into my church, to mentor these young women, to, to help with these children who, by some miraculous miracle, are being quiet right now. That must be. That's how you live out the hope that you have. So Peter, Peter calls to them. He says, don't you, don't you see? You were, you were ransomed, weren't you? You were ransomed from these, these former ways of these worthless, these futile ways that was inherited from your, former, from your forefathers. You ransomed in such a way that you can never go back. Not with gold or silver like you're going to buy a slave. No, 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 not with that. But with the enduring, precious blood of Christ. And as he who is holy, so we shall we be holy, because this Christ, he is without spot or blemish. So, watch your actions. Live fearful. Because you will be displaying the God of whom you worship. Adam was talking about this two weeks ago in Sunday school class. That we become who we worship. You read Psalm 115, that is, uh, the psalmist is writing... Uh, addressing idolatry. And he says, those who make them, that is the idols, they become like them. So do all who trust in them. So you have these these idols who can't speak or talk or move. They can't turn their heads to address anyone. They have stiff necks. So what are the people called who are worshiping idols? You stiff-necked people. You can't turn. You can't repent. They become whom they are worshiping. And so Peter is also saying, by your very actions, you are representing God and His very nature. If you claim that your Father is who is in heaven, this impartial judge who holds over everyone according to their deeds. So we live in fear. Again, not to appease an angry God. That's not it. But we live in fear knowing that we represent Him in all that we do. All right, so just to recap before we move on to this this third point of Christ. We live our lives in such a way because the kingdom of God, this future grace, we set our hope fully on that. And this this kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It has invaded our lives. The evidence of that is the Holy Spirit living within you. So how do we conduct ourselves? We don't just choose right or wrong. We fixate our whole lives and delight in Christ. We delight in God, which is what we'll be doing. So as we conduct ourselves in this new heavens and new earth, that's what the Spirit is calling us to, enabling you to do. It's not a burden. It's a delight, my friends. What have you pointed out this week? You can be joyful. It's okay as a Christian to be joyful. Even if you're reformed, I'm sorry, it's okay to, to be joyful. You don't have to curmudgeonly drink your craft beer. That's evidence of the new heavens and new earth coming and living in us. Which we are able to do through the Spirit. So then we live telling everyone that we obey this 
Heavenly Father who sees all things so we live in fear, knowing that we either we do it well or we do it poorly, but we are doing it, living out what our very nature is, God, what it will be like in the new heavens and new earth. That's what you're living out. That's what you're proclaiming by the way you live. And it's it's as if Peter can't help himself, and so then neither can we. He just he has to go on and on about Christ. And so, he, he, he talks about, okay, so we're ransomed, and not with this perishable thing such as gold or silver. Come on, no, none of that. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. Okay, let me go on. He says, he, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you. Who, let me tell you about you, who, through Him, are believers in God. Through Christ, we are believers in God. Who raised Him, okay, God raised Him, Christ, from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And I hope you see how Christ is integral to, to everything that's going on here. It, it flows out of Him and it flows to Him, just as as it flows out of God and then to God as well. You can see here that Christ is eternal. And that is, he was, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. He is the eternal Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God of God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. And the one through whom the world was actually made. But this eternal God is another picture. This eternal God, the new heavens and new earth, has become among us. He's been manifest in these last days. Remember, the new heavens and new earth come and living among us. This is what's happening in Christ. He is the one who came to bring the kingdom of heaven. And here's the, the personification of God. God in the flesh. Showing us how we are to live in this world. And so He's come to redeem us with His own blood. Not with gold or silver that just perishes away. Though we treasure it as much as can be. Just, sorry guys, it's going to perish. This is the very Christ that John is seeing in Revelation when we are finally in the new heavens, in the new earth. And this is what John writes in Revelation 4. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them. This will be you. Saying and singing out to Him who sits on the throne, God, and to the Lamb, Blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. 
This will be our song and our joy and our glory throughout all of eternity. This will be your song as you delight in God. What the Spirit is inviting you to do is to live that out today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we often have our minds so many places. I pray that you would allow us to fixate our eyes and our hope and our joy upon you and your glory, God. Let us delight in this future grace, this moment when we will see you face to face, God, and we will be transformed to be fully like you. But God, until that day, let us enjoy this new heavens and the new earth proclaiming your glory. Let us enjoy it in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of our suffering and our trials, God. Let us not just try to do the right thing and work and work, God. Let us delight in you. Amen.